Good evening. My name is Sue S. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater, certainly abstinent by the power of a greater than myself and not by the power of Sue. Um, To get the statistics out of the way first, um, I am a relapse survivor. Um, I came back from relapse in November of 2010. I didn't become abstinent this time until January of 2014. I walked into the rooms weighing 300. I walked in from relapse weighing 340 pounds. I'm down 90 pounds, um, and I still have some ways to go. And I want to talk about that towards the end of my story. So, um, but I'll start. I usually do tell what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. Um, and I don't. I don't share too much about what it was like um, because we all have paths. Um, and I've learned in this program that everybody has a past, and um, my parents did the best that they could with what they had, and I have to, I learned that I needed to accept their imperfections too before I could recover. Um, and so um, it took a lot of, it took a little bit of therapy, a lot of therapy, um, and a lot of time and a lot of step work to realize that my parents were human, just like I am. Um, Not perfect, but human. And the the five kids, they did the best that they could. Uh, My father was ill, my mother worked hard, and um, they did the best that they could. And so, um, and it was a hard life. Um, Having been the second oldest of the five kids, I became responsible early. Um, my older sister and I became responsible for the three younger kids because there's a four-year break between my older sister, myself, and the next three kids, which were pretty close in age. Um, so we became responsible. My mother worked full-time when I was growing up in an age where mothers did not work full-time. And all I wanted was for my mother to stop working so hard and just give me a hug. That's really all I ever wanted, and it never happened. Um, And so my older sister being just 13 months older, I always felt that she was prettier, that she was nicer, that she she belonged and I didn't, that she got the instructions for life, and somehow I was left out. So I turned to food early on. I found that when I ate, all the feelings went away. And um, I continued to use food. Um, By the time I was 12 or 11, um, I started to take measures to stop eating so much. I was actually thin as a very small child um, until I was like seven or eight, and then I started to blossom, and um, and I gained a lot of weight. And then by the time I was ten, they started to look at how much weight I had gained, and um, you know. And my mother used to just say, "Well, just have a couple. Don't eat the whole, please." But to me, a serving size was a sleeve. So I guess I was born a compulsive overeater. And um, we weren't restricted in snacks except the fact that there were five of us and we each got a portion. And we wish my mother really made sure that we shared equally. So I wasn't allowed to have more than my share um, because there were five of us. But I sneaked off at every opportunity when I earned some money or when I got my allowance to the corner. At that, at that time, we had what was called, and this is what it was called, was a candy store. 
and um, I spent my money there. Um, so I started early with the sweets. Um, and, um, but I don't have to live like that today. And um, I started with diets, but I was never a very good dieter. And, you know, life went on, and I just kept feeling more and more alone. I didn't make friends very easily in grammar school. And I seemed to um, almost, I'm looking for the word I want, but it was almost like I repelled people. Like I put on my shield, and I kept everybody away. I kept everybody outside of my shield. And um, so... Uh, and so I did get through grammar school. I went to a Catholic grammar school. I did grades one through eight. And then I went to a Catholic, uh, all-girls Catholic high school. And I was able to make some friends in high school. Um, but I was not actually the geekest of the geeks, but I was on the AV squad. And um, we were pretty geeky. Um, so not the most popular in school, but at least I had friends that I hadn't hung out with. And we had different activities that we did together. Um, but again, one of the things we did together was to eat. Um, we were not big, you know, we did not party much. We just, you know, we'd arrive at school early. We'd get together. And, um, you know, to me, that was a good time. I'd stay at school. I'd get to school as early as I could in the morning. And I'd stay at school until I pretty much kicked us off this campus um, because that's where my friends were. And I got out of high school, and then I went to a New York City public nursing school, um, which was kind of a shock, and um, learned new ways. But always my first love was food. Um, and, um, you know, diets never worked real well, and after a while I just gave up on trying to diet. Um, it didn't, the only time it helped is when I got, um, I went with my mother to a, um, diet doctor and he gave us a box of pills and I lost a lot of weight but once I stopped taking the pills the weight all came back and that was pretty much the story of my diet history. Uh, when I graduated from high school and started to go to nursing school my mother took the three little kids. Uh, my father was in the hospital. He had fallen down a flight of stairs. He had a seizure disorder and um, the prognosis was not very good. Uh, and my mother took the three little kids and she moved to Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania, and I was still on Long Island. I had started nursing school, and all of a sudden, I was all by myself. Um, I was financially cut off. My mother did not give me any more money um, because she still had the other three to raise, and um, so I was working weekends and going to school during the week and um, was financially on my own. And... Um, so then I could eat whatever I wanted to. And I did. I ate what I wanted to. Um, I didn't care about diets anymore. I didn't care about how fat I got. Um, if you didn't like me, it was just too bad. And I was okay by myself, so I thought. Um, and that was, that was actually the theme of my life. If you didn't like the fact that I was fat, that was your problem, not mine. And... Um, I proceeded on for quite a while like that until I got into my mid-20s, and then I decided that I was going to join the um, Air Force. Um, I had graduated. I was a nurse. Um, I wanted to get a bachelor's degree, and they told me that if I went into the Air Force, 
as a nurse, I would sign up as a lieutenant, and they would pay for my schooling to get a bachelor's degree. But I didn't make the physical requirements because I was overweight. So I went on a strict diet, and I went swimming. I went to the Y, and I went swimming five days a week, and I started to lose a lot of weight. And, of course, what happens when you do things like that is I became attracted to the opposite sex. And this man came to me, and um, he was in love at first sight, or so he thought, and I was just like, oh, my God. And um, he was persistent enough, and it finally broke down, and um, he uh, he did propose, and we decided to get married. Um, Except that we had a baby right away. And so I was newly married, newly pregnant, and um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with life because I never had. I just stuffed my feelings with food. And now I was in a strange situation because my doctor kept telling me I shouldn't be putting on so much weight. And I didn't know how to stop. Um, so I didn't. And um, I put on 50 pounds with my baby, with my son, who was born, and he's a wonderful guy today. And um, and when, after the baby was born, none of the weight came off. I kept all 50 pounds. So I was horrified when I got done. I tried going on a doctor-supervised health plan, and... Um, that didn't work either for some reason, and I don't know why, because I was really trying to follow, to follow it. Um, but my life was miserable. Um, I should have been really happy. I kept thinking I should be happy, and all I felt was trapped. So um, my daughter came along two years later, and this time I stayed home from work for a longer period of time, and I was kind of enjoying staying home and taking care of the kids and doing the mother thing. Um, But financially, it wasn't good for us, so eventually I went back to work, Um, and then I became the mother of the 80s. I was working part-time, maybe by then I was working full-time, I was going to school part-time, I was the Girl Scout co-leader, I was involved with the Cub Scouts, and I also was involved with the the PTA. So if you needed anything done, you called me because I could get it done because my mom had always told me that a busy person could always get things done. And I had stressed myself out so bad, I started to have abdominal problems. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, But I was smart enough to know that if I... So they started to talk to me about lifestyle changes. And so I was smart enough to know that if you needed to make lifestyle changes, you needed a therapist. That's what everybody else was doing in the 80s. So I got a therapist. Um, but the therapist eventually said that I need to take antidepressants, and I wasn't so quick to take antidepressants. I didn't want to go to a psychiatrist, um, and the, the therapist was trying his best to work with me, and I just wasn't getting anywhere because he hit this brick wall, which was my defenses. And um, so I talked to my primary care doctor, my internist, that I knew since he was a chief resident, and he agreed to give me an antidepressant that I was, had taken once for my GI problems. And he agreed to give me an anti-anxiety med. And that was fine. That was in probably the end, the fall of 1990. And then in 1991, 
Um, I picked, I know I had alcohol in my house all the time. I always, you know, in my house growing up, alcohol was always available. And so I had alcohol in my home. And I sat down in January 6, 1991, with a bottle of alcohol and my bottle of anti-anxiety pills and was trying to fill the hole that was in the center of my being. And what I would do is I'd take the anti-anxiety pill and I would wash it down with the alcohol. And that didn't help, so I tried another one. And that didn't help. So I kept doing that for a while. And eventually my therapist called me because he knew I was really feeling depressed. And um, he told me to hold on. He called 911. And um, he dialed out, I guess, from another phone line. And the next thing I know, the police were checking on my kids. And um, I was in an ambulance. And I did not remember being in the ambulance. I woke up in the ER. And then I got involved with psychiatric care. And for the next six months, um, I was in and out of the ER. And I began to feel safer in the psych wards than I did outside. And I began to see my life as totally being spent in a psychiatric institution long term. Um, and, um, and so my psychiatrist didn't quite know what to do with me either. And when the nurse suggested in June that maybe I should go to one of those meetings on Saturday morning, the psychiatric, the psychiatrist said that would be a great idea. And so I wound up at my first 12-step meeting. Now, I was so dumb, and I guess it wasn't as, as open back then, but um, I had never heard of a 12-step program when I, first, when I went to my first meeting back in 1991. And... Um, I went down there and I listened and I didn't hear anything that impressed me. All I heard is what people lost by drinking alcohol. And I went up there and told them they were wrong. But since they didn't know what to do with me, um, I wound up in a, a um, dual diagnosis, alcohol rehabilitation, drug rehabilitation, and um, psychiatric facility. Uh, and I spent the rest of the summer there. I didn't get out until mid-August. And um, and what I learned was the 12 steps, because it was a 12-step facility. And that was my first indoctrination. And I went to the program for seven years and did what they told me, but I still didn't feel like I fit in. So finally, I heard about OA. And you might say, where is all this leading? Well, I finally went to OA. After seven years, I heard of OA, and I went to an OA meeting. And when I got to OA, I knew that I was home. Um, when I heard the readings, when I heard people share, um, I knew that I was where I belonged. Um, Five minutes. And that would have been thanks. In the first year, I lost 100 pounds. Everything was great. I felt wonderful. I had friends. And I thought it was terrific. Um, and I hung around for about three or four years. And um, it was close to four years. And um, then I got tired, and I got tired of doing all the work. But this program does entail quite a bit of work. And I stopped doing some of the work. And then I stopped doing all the work, and then I wasn't going to any meetings, and I wasn't doing any service. And um, eventually I was out of the rooms. And as I said, I'm a relapsed survivor. I stayed out of the rooms for seven years. I was a workaholic. At the end, I was back to eating garbage, and um, I was all alone. 
um, a workaholic, and I was back into a day psychiatric treatment program. And eventually, I crawled back into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. That was in November 2010, and it's been 13 years that I'm back. And today, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, it's not because I've lost all the weight, because the first time was a gift. The second time, I really have to work for it. Um, it really is because I've worked all 12 steps, and I continue to work the steps in my life. It's not that I've not had problems. It's not that I haven't had situations in my life that I didn't know how to deal with. Well, I shouldn't say I didn't know how to deal with it. When I don't know how to deal with something today, I know to take it to my sponsor, who is a who is really a lovely lady who has put up with me for all these years, um, and I love her to death. And I know to take things through the steps. Um, the last week, I went to a doctor last Thursday who basically said to me that um, you are overweight, you're always going to be, and it's not, you're not improving the situation, so you're not going to get better from the problem I was having. And that really pissed me off. And my sponsor told me to take it through the steps. And I did. Um, it was an awful thing for him to say. It was the truth. But it was an awful thing for him to say, um, and it just made me feel lousy. But today I recognize my feelings. And um, today, one day at a time, that's all I have to get through is one day at a time because that's what this program taught me. That all I have to do is live my life one day at a time. Um, and that's it. One day. Um, today has not been the best of days. Um, I'm looking at, I'm supposed to be having um, knee surgery done in two weeks. I'm having a total knee replacement. And um, I found out today that my husband needs surgery. So we're trying to figure it out so that I can have my surgery and then he's going to have surgery right after I do. And um, it's not always easy. It's simple, but it's not always easy. But if I turn it all over to my higher power, accept that I am powerless, and just let it go, and things have a habit of working out. Um, and that's really the secret of the whole thing, is to just let it go and let God, and not worry too much about what's going to happen tomorrow. Keep my head where my feet are. And um, it's been given me a life beyond my wildest dreams. As I said, I have a son who's now old enough to have kids of his own, so I have a lovely granddaughter. Um, I have a daughter who took myself and her mother-in-law and her husband. They took us out to dinner and a show on Saturday, and I had a wonderful time. And um, I could enjoy life on life's terms today. And it, it really is a wonderful life in the program, one day at a time. So now I'm starting to babble, so I think I'll pass. My name is Sue S. I'm on Eastern Time. My number is 516-721-0816. Again, that's 516 
one six. Thank you for letting me share.